you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Steve Grosso, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, despite the Wall Street whiplash, the top strategist says stocks are cheap, and now is your best chance in years to buy. He will be here to explain. Plus, General Electric soaring after J.P. Morgan says the worst is over for the industrial giant. But is a turnaround really in the cards? The traders weigh in. But first, we start off with the bank inferno heating up. The financials under pressure again today. The sector hitting a fresh 2018 low, and it's been a rough week, month and year for the group. Now down more than 19% from its 52-week high back in January. This as it inches towards a bear market. So how much worse can it get for the banks? What does this mean for the broader markets, Guy? Welcome back, Mel. Thanks. Great to have you back. Great so to be back. So listen, in, in the spring, in the summer, I tried to make a bullish case for the banks on valuation, on price to book. And at a certain point, you just have to say to yourself, you know, maybe they are cheap, but maybe you're wrong as well to try to defend them. And, you know, I would say early fall, I started to say, you know, maybe things aren't as rosy for the banks. So I asked, this is the following, this you have to ask yourself. Citibank reported in the middle of October, tangible book, give or take, was $62. Stock is trading $56 today. Goldman Sachs, same type of thing, 186 tangible book, it's trading 175 If the environment is so rosy for banks, why are two of the biggest ones trading south of tangible book? That's a problem. Now, I've thought for a while that Deutsche Bank is this generation sort of Bear Stearns Lehman wrapped up into one. And if it was a U.S. bank, we talk about it every day. But the fact that it's not, we sort of talk about it a couple times a week. Now the question is, is Citibank, is their exposure to Europe the reason why it's trading below tangible book? Is it systemic? My sense is Deutsche Bank makes its way into our shores at some point, but the stocks are already pricing something in. Is this the kind of price action where you take a look at how they trade and then you try and think of why they're trading that way as opposed to, because if you look on the surface of things, things theoretically should be okay for the banks. Should they be? I don't, I mean, Yield this curve past is inverting, year, growth is slowing, deregulation whole, is over. But this year, deregulation. Uh, but it's over. That story is over. So if you believe that they we're going... They hit their high back in January. They didn't have a fighting chance since then. But if you believe that we're going back to 30 to 1 leverage, we're not, right? We're not doing that. Deregulation is over. XLF has made up all the ground uh, to pre-crisis levels. It's not going higher. Banks are not going higher. It's over. Karen. Well, you might I'm be the only defender of the banks. I am a defender of the banks. I'm long the banks. And, you know, the banks, to me, have priced in a lot of the things you're talking about, plus more. I think they have priced in already a slowing economy. I think they have priced in maybe some regulation coming the other way. Um, I think there is probably, particularly in city, there is some Deutsche Bank or, or beyond Deutsche Bank sort of credit question. But to me... I think that all of the bad news is in them already. It's a terrible tape. I understand that. But to me, it always comes down to valuation. That's what I look at first. And I look at P.E. here. Let's just take J.P. Morgan, for example, the premier. So J.P. Morgan, to me, is trading very cheap to the market, which banks always do, but also very, very cheap to itself. So that's really important, right? They still make money, right? These, these companies still make money. So that's why I want to own them. I think that they will continue to make money. 
the economy is not falling off a cliff. They're going to continue to make money. The last thing I kind of like, you know, Dan hates them, right? So Dan's been right. Uh, give him that. Guy, too, also been right. You're obviously not, not positive on the bank. But the XL left great- from the election. The XLF was up 90%. Now it's still up 50%. So when you say they priced in a lot of bad news, they're still pricing in a little bit more rosiness. We've got now divided government. So that's where you started off saying that there might be a little bit of regulation going the opposite way. I don't see growth going the right way. You have an inversion of the threes, fives, maybe the twos, tens coming up. Let's say all that is true. So one then could make the argument, follow what you're saying, there is no price at which you would own banks. No, they're still up 50% since the election. Forget so there was a lot of stuff. Relative to the election. That's but I can't, I can't that. forget that. I just look at them where they are now. What are they going to earn? Right? What is the decision so, right now? The decision, the decision right now is you still, you still, if them? you look at, there's a definite double top. Guy, you like the double top, right? XLF, if you go back to 07 and you go back to now, there's a distinct double top around the $30 range. I mean, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Look at that thing. I don't think going back to 07, you have Citibank here, which was in the XLF in 07, which is one-tenth of where... Forget that. Do you think that we can go back to pre-financial crisis levels in the financials? Were things rosier pre-financial crisis levels than they are now? The prices were different. Where they traded were different in terms of the multiple. So what was, were you able to, right there, we were pricing in nothing but rosy skies, right? So you pre-crisis. Pricing, wait, wait, pricing in nothing, rosy skies with a levered balance sheet and inherent Lever. level of risk. Levered. Right. Exactly. That's finish. my point. Let me finish. With a we're downside. Never... Okay. So, right? So if you have that kind of downside that they have then, you right. had to have some more upside. Right. Right? This is a very different risk reward scenario. This is a perfect example. Perfect example. You see that leverage and you say they had a tremendous downside. I see that leverage and say that's the only reason why they were making the profits they were making and that leverage is never coming back. back. 30 to 1 is not coming back. I'm not not arguing for 30 to 1. I don't think they should have 30 to 1 leverage. Without 30 to 1, you're never going to see the profitability come back to the banks. That's why they're a sell. I, that's w- not what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying they also wouldn't be trading at the multiples they traded at then, right? As uh, okay. a, as a, so what I'm saying is the scenario that made them scenarios. buys and growth stocks has now, is now off the chart and okay. now they're them. utility right, so stocks, stocks and they're like not them? even protection. You don't like them ever. Dan, so, Dan, Dan Nathan's I, I, I feel like you should, should I, because you are cited as a bullet point on Karen, I, I, I the fact that Karen's you don't like them. No, so, so here's the thing. I, I felt a lot of the, the negative points that you guys have all uh, made over the last uh, seven minutes that you didn't want to include me in, um, <laughs> I, you know, th- th- that's kind of been my bearish view for most of this year. But I, I actually want to kind of take apart that third leg of your of your bullet here. You know, you can go back and look but at... Dan two, hates them? Th- yeah. You, you can go back to 2015 and 2016, and you can look at an environment where there was a a lot of very similar things going on. You know, Chinese equities were in a free fall. Crude oil was in a free fall. Small caps here were in a free fall. Interest rates were actually going down then, right? Yeah. All the way down yeah. to below 2%, well, the 10-year, yeah. that sort of thing. So there was a lot of, like, uncertainty um, going on, and there was a lot of really weak price action, in, um, and the dollar was, um, was, was kind of rising then, too. So think back to that period. Citibank, Bank America, uh, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they were all down 30 40%. So all those stocks that I just named right now, let's look X out JP Morgan, are down between 25 and 35% right now. You could make an argument that we've seen this sort of price action before in the recent past, and maybe they are getting to a point where they're so 
hated. Um, you know, bulls are kind of thrown in the towel a little bit. We could be getting to a point as we head into the new year where people start making a stronger valuation case and where we see a period with less volatility with these other risk assets around the globe. And then maybe you go. Wait, into are the you sector. saying that there well, could be I'm a period is, that's I'm, emerging I'm, that is favorable? What I'm trying to be is contrarian because you could have been as bearish in the lows of 16 about the bank stocks and they were about ready to basically go up 50, 70 percent over an 18 month period. Right, That's but the why, but why were they about ready to go up in 16? They were about ready to go up because of deregulation. They were about ready well, to go up. They bottomed well before the that. They bottomed, just so you know, they bottomed in Q1 2016. I, and I just want to make a point. It just, you know, I understand what happened since late 2016, right. why that happened. Right. But at some point in early 2018, investors started discounting all the bull cases, even that Dan hates them. Um, mm-hmm. And at some point, we could be getting ready especially as the calendar turns, when investors start thinking about what are some most hated, uh-huh. cheap, and potential catalysts that are contrarian, and that is obviously this group. You asked an interesting question. Are we, are we looking for reasons? I am looking, because I clearly don't know why. Because it almost doesn't make sense. And so doesn't people make will make the comparison to the financial crisis when actually the bank balance sheets are much, much, much different. Better. The systemic risk in the system is much, much different. So I don't know what the reasons are. I know, though, that the stocks have not performed well. I could say that Goldman Sachs is Goldman Sachs specific, probably is. I could say Citibank is city-specific due to their European exposure, but then why is Wells Fargo making new 52-week lows, and why is Morgan Stanley making new 52-week lows? But I don't have the answers, but somebody like a a Keith Parker type of guy. You think so? I would hope a guy like him would know. Oh, oh, Keith Parker's here. (laughs) The financial fallout, just one piece of why this market can't seem to rally. Our next guest, Keith Parker, says that stocks are cheap. And if history is any indication, now could be the time to buy. Keith, of course, is a head of U.S. equity strategy at UBS. Keith, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Why do you think the financials are trading so poorly? And uh, are are you bullish on the financials specifically? We, we've been neutral, so we've had the valuation support, but in terms of drivers of fundamentals, we saw expectations for margins too high, slowing top-line growth, and risks around interest rates. I think we've seen a significant flattening of the yield curve, and fives, uh, twos start to get to a level that is worrying for banks. I think what's being discounted now when you're trading at a 40% discount where we were in 2015 and 16, a lot's priced in. I think you need to have that positive catalyst and some expectations of profit growth. And I think the real bull case, you mentioned banks are being asked to act like utilities. Well, they don't pay out like utilities. And to me, if you're not going to have that big ROE like you had last cycle, you need to deliver that return on investment and pay dividends. And they're doing that gradually, but you need to be very patient to get to that point. You sound almost like you're in the camp. We were having this discussion where you look at the price action, you think, Things should be okay for the financials. Evaluation should be okay. They, they look like they've priced in a lot. Are you also grappling with that? Sort of scratching your head saying, why, why is this group close to bear market territory at this point? Yeah, I think you could say that for banks. You could say that for industrials. You could say that for semiconductors. It's, it's across the board uh, a, a big derating and cyclical standout. We did some work historically where do we get things wrong on the multiple. Earnings are up over 20% this year, and the market is down. We've had a bear market in the multiple. And what's interesting, if you look back historically, we want to ask ourselves, well, what happens next year? Does the market get it right? And what's interesting is that median returns and average returns in the year following are actually 16%, well above historic averages, and only two years of negative returns. So why are you saying to buy the market right now? I mean, if if 2018 wasn't a great year for stock investors or basically any asset class investor, 
did not do well, right? I mean, yes. across oh. the board. And it seemed like everything, you had every single tailwind going for the markets. Why should 2019 be different? I think the derating in, the, in equity markets and assets in general is first interest rates rose and we're seeing uh, a pullback in the rise in interest rates and we'll get uh, another indication from the Fed and Chair Powell next week. And so lower interest rates should support asset prices all else equal. Uh, the slowing growth and worrying about growth uh, and the cycle, particularly outside of the U.S., has been a big headwind. And again, I think we'll, we'll see how that goes. But U.S. fiscal and holiday shopping here should help the rest of the world. And then lastly, trade. We have now, between now and March, with a number of political uh, 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 nuances in between to potentially price out that, that trade risk. Do, do you worry that window of 2019, if there is some sort of resolution as it relates to trade, is going to be so short because we're going to get back to an uncertainty. We're going to get back to a political environment here where I think corporate, you know, corporates are going to be kind of you know, a, a little cautious here. And then the last point you just made about the U.S. consumer here in the Q4, it seems like the whole global economy is resting on the U.S. consumer's shoulder right now. And that seems like a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, I think resting on the consumer's shoulder and is it is it, are they delivering? I would say signs are they, they are. Do they have the chance to deliver even more in the first quarter based on lower oil prices and what we've done on tax refunds? Could see an incremental 1% boost uh, as a percentage of income. And then on the point on, on trade, um, what we would say is, is it short-lived? I think part of it is pricing out first that de-escalation. But China's done something. They've stimulated their economy since June to fend off that potential impact of tariffs. And the U.S. also has fiscal stimulus playing through in 2019. So we wouldn't expect that to be as short-lived if there is that follow-through and growth doesn't come in as bad as fear. Have you published your outlook for 2019? We did. We published it November 13th when the market was moving plus and minus 2%. So always tough. Yes. <laughs> and your year-end 2019 target is? So we are at uh, 3,200. Okay. We're a 10% plus return from where we think we could end the year. Uh, but right. obviously trade, growth, and, and interest rates are the key. Okay. Thank you, Keith. Good to see you. Keith Barker Thank of you. UBS. It's a treacherous time to be a, a U.S. equity strategist. Treacherous. Having, having to put out these forecasts, right, but for next better year. better than a when, guy like Keith Parker? I was going to ask him, but he's, we, we could buy the guests. So. I clearly I'm, said goodbye yeah, to Keith so Parker. So I'm not going to bring him back in. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, we might see 3200 at the end of next year. Absolutely. Where do we go first, though, is right. the question. That's I think Steve question. would submit we're going to retest those lows 2530. I think there's a reasonable chance of that happening. Pete Najarian said last night, and I agree with him, volatility is too cheap in this environment. And I think Dan would agree with this. And this is not a political comment, but I don't think the market is at all pricing in uh, something coming out of this Mueller investigation. That, that Again, not political, right. but it's definitely hanging out there. Do you think we test February lows by the end of the year? Yes, I would like to see them tested. You know, the only problem that you have with testing by the end of the like year is three as you, weeks for 100 points on the S&P. Well, you got, no, you no, got the shutdown. Not I even mean, that. that. You that have the shutdown. Really the but, but any, any buys off of shutdowns are always good buys, so you, you want to you buy that. The problem I have with testing it is not the time frame. It's just that people take off a lot of time around the holidays. So no one ever pushes down a dull market. So people are not at their desk. You don't get the liquidity. You don't have the opportunity for a sell-off. But I would like to see them test it prior to the end of the year. All right. Coming up, there are just 12 days, 12 days until Christmas. So where is the Santa rally for retail? The stock's getting crushed today, but a top technician says don't stop believing just yet. Plus, 
General Electric surging back, the stock lighting up after J.P. Morgan says the worst is over for the industrial giant. But can you trust this bounce? And later, check out shares of Starbucks taking a hit after hours. The coffee giant lowering its guidance just moments ago. We'll bring you all the details. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Fast Money. General Electric is lighting up, having its best day in a month following an upgrade from one of Wall Street's biggest GE bears. J.P. Morgan lifting its rating from underweight to neutral, but still maintaining a $6 price target. The analyst adding that the stock is near a bottom. It did hit a financial crisis low, 666. That happened on Tuesday before bouncing off that level. So with shares of GE still down 59% this year. Is it finally bottoming out? Steve Grosso, what do you say? I don't think you could ever say it's finally bottoming out until it actually bottomed out and has conviction that it's bottomed out. But the S&P bottomed at 666 as well. So that, that sign, it's a terrible number. It's a negative number. And I think this analyst was just didn't want to go to the well one too many times, right? He had a great call on the stock. And this is not an overwhelmingly bullish call on it. But maybe the worst is coming to an end, not over yet. Well, I think that's sort of his point, right? Yeah. He said that there are known unknowns at this point, that the market is pricing in a lot. And I think sentiment has really driven this stock as well. The idea yeah. that a material uh, capital raise is overhanging the stock. And he says, yeah, you know what? It probably still is, but it's priced in at this point for pretty much. Well, it was a good call by him. I think, you know, yes. just, just looking sort of at his, all right, how do I manage this good call? You know, you can't fault someone who goes to a neutral, even if it goes yeah. lower. I wonder if, like, cheers broke out on the floor of <laughs> GE when somebody went to a neutral. <laughs> you know, if you look at this stock, it's sort of, do you think that sentiment has maybe changed? That could be enough to really, really move it. I don't know that the fundamentals have really changed enough for me to get on board. I had leaps of 19 that it will probably go to zero, of 20, rather, January 20, that will probably go to zero, but... Uh, I mean, the risk reward has changed, but still there's a lot of downside. Jim Cramer, I think, said it's the best analyst job yes. that he's ever seen. And it's, it's probably a lot of truth to that. And it's still a $6 price target, which, if my math is correct, it's about 20% from where we close today. And the bear market scenario is $5, and, he and said. And the bear market scenario is $5. <laughs> yeah. And the problems that General Electric had two days ago still exist today. So I think the move you saw today makes sense for a lot of different reasons. But I think most of it was people that have been short the name just covering up because why not if the analyst is going to go neutral? Why? But I think there's a really good chance when they report on January 18th that the seven handle you're enjoying today will turn into a low six handle. Mm. Whoa. Um, you know, listen, I think it's one of these names where, you know, there's just so much debt here. And it's just like, it's just such a deep end of the pool sort of stuff. They keep selling off things. They keep giving away these groups. They keep, reach, you know, rotating management, uh, new restructuring plans. It's just better ways to, I think, put money to work in the market right now. If you're the sort of person who said, you know, I like a 3 4% position in something that could go up 100% if I get a lot of things right over the next year or two, then, then do it that way. You know where you're stopped. You're stopped down $7, you know. 
Um, and it's not going to zero either. But this is going to be a long slog. I will tell you this, though, that this is a stock that you could look up on February 7th next year. And it could be at nine and a half dollars, like pretty easily. And no one would be shaking. No one's going to be wrong or right or anything like that. I mean, that's just the way s- stories like this go. All right. Still ahead. Retail in turmoil ahead of the final holiday stretch as the group continues to get slammed. But a top technician says now is the time to go bargain hunting. He'll tell us the best names to buy right now. Plus, casinos are crapping out. The stocks have been under pressure. And even the short seller Jim Chano says the worst is still to come. We will hear what is behind his big bet. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. Much more Fast Money right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. The retail wreck rages on. The ETF tracking the group, the XRT falling 3% today, is now in bear market territory. Bob Pisani is at the New York Stock Exchange with all the details. Hi, Bob. Hello, Melissa. It's another ugly day for retailers. We did this on Tuesday, but it's happening again. Big brands like JCPenney, Best Buy, Kohl's, Macy's, Gap down 3 to 8% just today. Shares of Costco also falling after hours on a top and bottom line miss. Taylor Brands, which owns Men's Warehouse, was the downside leader, reported weaker sales and lowered full-year guidance. It was down 30% at one point. Plenty of retailers are sitting at or near 52-week lows. Children's Place, Best Buy, Tiffany, Signet Jewelers, auto sellers like AutoNation, Penske Automotive, Group One Automotive, all near 52-week lows. The retail ETF, Melissa mentioned the XRT, that's a basket of all the retail stocks in the S&P 500. Also at a 52-week low, and that is also among the most shorted ETFs on the street. So what's the problem? Well, Amazon, of course, is an issue. But retailers rose in the summer on signs that the retailers were getting better at playing the online game. Online sales are indeed growing faster for all these companies. And the companies, though, need to invest in both stores and in online. That's a problem. It's expensive. And it's increasingly hurting margins. That's probably the biggest issue. Then there's the macro issues. The concern is that this may be as good as it gets with comp store sales, which did improve this year. And even broader concerns that we could be in the later stages of this big upswing in consumer spending that we saw this year. You add in other things. You add in the high labor costs we're starting to see. You add in additional transportation costs. And it means not a lot of earnings growth with a corresponding drop in margins. Real tough situation. Back to you, Melissa. Sure is. Bob, thank you. Bob Pisani at the NYSE. So are any of these names worth buying on the dip? And what's behind uh, this decline that we've seen? Karen, what do you think? Well, uh, Taylor Brands, I sort of put that aside. Sure. I said, but, but Oxford, I don't put that aside. I mean, that is a real read-through to a Macy's, a Coles, whoever. Very disappointing. 
Although Macy's to me, the I mean, Macy's has been really getting its act together. The balance sheet, think how improved the balance sheet is over the last couple of years. And I think they're increasing even more the debt buyback. This multiple of, I don't know, eight just seems really overdone to me. Not that it can't go lower. It certainly could. But uh, I mean, of, of that sort of today's du jour disasters, I don't know. I think Macy's, which I do own, I would be a buyer of Macy's. Yeah. So listen, it's all a disaster. I mean, I think Bob really surrounded that trade. I mean, he gave it, he gave you everything. Here, here's the thing. I mean, so the, the rally over the last year before they topped out about six months ago, it had to be that they're getting their houses in order. They've made these investments in Omnichannel and they're starting to see a lot of growth. Here's the thing. Less than 10% of U.S. retail sales are e-commerce. Amazon is getting 50% of all of that growth. So no matter what those investments, the Target, Macy's, all these guys made, they're going to continue to do it, and we're going to continue to see weak margins. We may be at a point Doesn't where we're that mean seeing that they're peak consumer spending. They could be. I, no, no, I'm, no, just no, I'm, you. I'm just I'm only on that 10%, because that's always shocking to me when you hear. I, I always think it's more than that. Okay, but Steve, can, can I just have one point? Nope. So the biggest e-commerce player, though, just got a government subsidy to open two headquarters on the East Coast. All these guys who've been spending all their money, it's been hurting their margins for the last last couple years, they have to compete with a government subsidized Amazon.com. That's crazy. So to me, I think it only gets more. I think these guys are just canaries in the coal mine. They're consumer facing. And I think they're they're signaling, as you said, the stop at the top of the shelf. There's something wrong with the economy. All right. For more on this retail wreck and which names are looking like bargain buys, let's go off the charts. With Todd Gordon of TradingAnalysis.com. Hey, Todd. Hey, Melissa. Uh, Sure. Let's take a look at the XRT. You guys were talking about double tops earlier. Guy in grass. So I've got a good one for you here in the XRT. Just at about 52 here, we put in a big old nasty double top and we've begun to back away. This was back from 2015. So I like, sorry about that. You get the point. How (laughs) significant is this double top and will we continue lower? This is the weekly chart. What I'd like to do is then drill down, get a little bit more granular here on the daily. So here's the XRT on the daily. And what you'll see here is we do have some lows right at about the $43 mark here. This is also one of those fib retracement levels. We, sh- we are trying to hold. I don't think we're going to. We look like we're going to head lower. There's one more level just at about 40 and a half. I'll save you the gory details. If you don't hold 40.50 and XRT, I think we go lower. I'm going to stay right here. XRT, SPX. Maybe if we could go back, that ratio is also in the decline. Basically, what that means is the XRT retail is underperforming the S&P on the downside. That's OK. We'll stay here. I, th- I say it's weak. As a trader, I want to continue to short and, and step on these weak names, L brand. Just what a disaster of a chart here. 200-day um, moving average in a clear downtrend. We tried to hold as resistance. We have held as resistance. It looks like we should be able to move down. If you guys go out to your weekly charts, look back at 2000, 2007, 27 and a half was a huge breakout level. We really need to hold here in L brands. If we don't, you're talking 18 years of support. That was just lost. It looks like if the overall market moves lower and retail, L Brands could continue to go. Polls, really, really strong stock. This guy put a big old triple top in here. I hold this in my portfolio. We broke the 200-day. We're coming back to kind of retest as resistance. I was talking to Karen about this in the makeup room. I might need to KSS this stock goodbye. This guy looks like we should not be long, but in fact, we should be short. So I say stick on the short side of the retail in a very uncertain market. How does Amazon look compared to the retailers? Amazon doesn't look that good either. And, and we should be recovering. Um, but for me, I'm actually looking to set up shorts. I see Amazon, I hate to say it, but from a technical point of view, beautiful. From a technical point of view, Melissa, if this market moves lower, and I, I, I don't even want to say this, 
I'm going to get skewered on Twitter for saying this, but we don't have support until about $900 mm. Wait, Amazon. what? If we, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. From a technical point of view, if we continue to go lower, that's where, from a chart point of view, support would come in. Not saying it's going to happen, but Amazon is not performing the upside like we'd expect to see in this period of tech outperformance. It's technology that is not leading us lower. It's tech that's actually holding us up right now. But Amazon, but Amazon just does not look good for me on the on the upside. I would not be buying so, it here. So, so when a technician like yourself says nine hundred dollars is support, like what has to happen for a stock that's sixteen hundred and change to go to nine hundred? I know, I know. It's it's scary, and and the same thing. I had the same conversation with myself on Apple. <laughs> if I take a cold, hard, objective look on Apple, as we can't get any kind of bounce off of one seventy. We don't have support in Apple until one hundred and forty. I mean, granted, thirty dollars is percent of one seventy is nowhere near that drop in Amazon. But if this market can't get a bid soon, there's much lower levels to come. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm not trying to scare. I'm just trying to be as objective, trade what I see, not what I think. And technical support doesn't come in for for a ways lower. Uh, S&P 2400, 2350, that's where you start to hold the uptrend support that's been in place since the credit crisis low. If you don't hold 2350, and I know Grasso's looking for a push If we break the February lows on the S&P 500, then the next stop for an Amazon is a 900. The next stop for an Apple is 140. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to go to Amazon. I'm not saying we could find support. That doesn't mean if we break 16, we're going below 1,000 in Amazon. But I'm just saying from a technical point of view, that's where support comes in. Again, the S&P, if you don't hold 23.50 on any push lower, that's big trouble for this market. Todd, thank you. Todd Gordon of TradingAnalysis.com. Guy Dami. Yes, Melissa Lee. Very, uh, By the way, I was, when, you know, at the top of the show, I welcome you back. I'm thrilled that you're back. People on Twitter are like, you weren't that effusive in your, I mean, I'm, yes, well, there were welcome no, back. There were no balloons or confetti, so maybe Fair you point. weren't effusive. Fair point. Um, what, do you, yes. what do you think of Todd's I mean, I, I think, you know, it's interesting, the retail sector. I, Dan Nathan talked about the XRT, I think, a year or so ago, said it's the worst chart he'd ever seen in his career. Something stuck with me, though, during Bob Pisani's hit a few minutes before Todd Gordon, and he mentioned Costco. Let's talk about Costco, because it's been everybody's darling. But now you look at it, and all of a sudden, people are going to say, does valuation matter? Because now, at 27 times forward earnings after this quarter, where... On the first look, looks like they beat on EPS, but then you drill down a little bit. They actually missed. Margins were lower. Membership fees disappointed. One has to wonder, this was a vital cog, in my opinion, in the whole retail space. If you sort of lose Costco now, you've got to start to rethink things. And at 28 times forward earnings, this quarter is not going to get it done. What do you think of Amazon to 900? So the Amazon call is really interesting. So let's uh, take the 900 out. Let's see where it started the year. Um, it's 1200 bucks or so. This stock is still up 42% of the year. What I think is most important to marry with that fundamental look, and especially the more macro look, if the market were to go, let's say, break the lows and go to 2350. And then if this also happened in late January when Amazon reports their Q4 results, that they guided revenues down. They gave guidance in October that was uh, revenue guidance that was 5% below consensus. If they don't hit that and guide down again, this stock's going back to 1200 in a weak market. It's just that simple. That's how you marry these inputs together. And I don't know what's going to happen. There are a lot of things that have to happen for that to happen. But this stock's still up 40% on the year. So, so when, when uh, Todd talks about support levels and he talks about that, he's talking about long-term support levels. There's a bunch of support levels, but there's short-term support levels. So it's 1400 it's 1325 So there's a lot of speed bumps on the way there. But if we do break the lows, the 2532, we do go to 2350 in the S&P pretty precipitously, and it takes all of these high flyers that are still up way down with them. 
Great haiku word, by the way. What? Precipitous. Precipitously. Oh, yeah. Five, it's a whole Five, line. In, in it's a whole itself. line in Thank haiku. Yeah. No, Coming done. up, Adobe, <laughs> volatile in the after-hour session. The CEO sitting down with Mad Money's Jim Cramer moments ago talking about how the company is transforming the cloud business. We'll bring you those comments. Plus, Starbucks shares sinking after lowering guidance at its investor day. It has been a hot stock all year. But will it start to cool off? We will explain. More Fast Money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Starbucks under pressure in the after-hour session. The company lowering its long-term guidance moments ago. Our own Kate Rogers is in New York City at the Coffee Giants Investor Day. Hi, Kate. Hi, Melissa. That's right. We are here in New York City at their Investor Day. Starbucks, of course, coming off a really strong fourth quarter. They did reiterate their full-year 2019 guidance, which includes opening up 2,100 net new stores around the globe. But as you mentioned, the stock started to fall here in the after hours after new CFO Pat Grismer disclosed their longer-term financial targets, consolidated revenue growth of 7 to 9%, and adjusted EPS growth of at least 10%. That's down from prior guidance of at least 12%. Now, the company also made a very big announcement today in that it's teaming up with Uber Eats for delivery across the country here in the U.S. Now, this comes after Starbucks tested delivery in both Tokyo and Miami with Uber Eats. Today, they announced an expansion to nearly a quarter of their U.S. company-operated stores beginning in early 2019. Starbucks does partner, remember, with Alibaba in China for delivery with LMA on on-demand food delivery. We also got a chance to sit down with Starbucks COO Rosalind Brewer today on Closing Bell. We talked to her a bit about this Uber Eats announcement. Here's what she had to say about future profitability. It's one of the things that we're evaluating because it does cost more to deliver coffee. But what I will see uh, and tell everyone is that, you know, we're seeing a expanded ticket and that average ticket is really uh, what we need to see happen as we approach delivery. So we're encouraged right now, but we're actually monitoring that very carefully. I also got a chance to sit down with the company's CEO, Kevin Johnson, earlier in the day. He said right now his focus is on doing what Starbucks does best and creating these big strategic partnerships that complement what the company does best, from Alibaba in China to the Nestle Global Coffee Alliance and now Uber Eats. Lots of news today, Melissa. Back over to you. All right, Kate, thank you. Kate Rogers at the Starbucks uh, meeting here in New York City. Guy, what do you make of Starbucks here in the push to deliver? I mean, it costs a lot of money to deliver yeah. one cup of coffee. They took EPS, look, so they took EPS guidance down. So you have to ask yourself, did it, did it deserve a 22, 23 multiple yeah. before this? Certainly doesn't now. Just go back and look, though, so in June. The stock basically went from 57.5-ish down to 49 in a straight line, and then spent the rest of basically the summer getting that back. Earlier, a couple months or so ago, the stock went from 57.5 to 65 in a straight line. What do I think is going to happen? It's going to do exactly what it did in opposite over the summer, which is revert back to the mean. The mean has been somewhere around $60. You can do the math, and that multiple makes sense, but at current levels doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I feel like it, f- it fills that gap as well to the downside. But when you look at the other side of it, Duncan Brands, that one looks a little more stable in the charts. It's only up about 10% year-to-date, while Starbucks is up 16%. But I think coffee, they sort of trade together. Just Duncan Brands has a less gappy chart, if that makes sense. Yeah, Karen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's okay, just sort of what Guy said. It neither has explosive growth, right. nor does it have a really cheap multiple. It's just sort of okay. It'll probably do similar to the market, sort of uninspiring. 
I thought the COO comment about delivery is really interesting. Expanded checks, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not really po- delivering one cup of coffee. It's about like somebody in the office saying, "Hey, yeah, I'm yeah. getting a flat, right, right, right. maca laka, whatever." And then <laughs> and then five other people say yes. But I would just say this is that coffee delivery is not the most intuitive thing. You know, it's not it's like not. The, it's not like the Instacart guys. Think of how messy the, coffee well, delivery is. Saying. So I, I just think ultimately they're going to have a similar issue is that when they started going digital, mobile ordering in their shops, it was kind of like a kind of screwed things up a little bit. You well, know? I think they want to add food to that. As well, to it get that do, bill but, but have higher, you had their food? It depends eh. what it is. Eh. I'm not as fancy as you are. 1986, that was 1986. One of, Matt's. That's when I, I started working, and uh-huh. one of my jobs was get making yeah, non and you had to make sure. Uh-huh. No, but so I can. I mean, if I could do it 32 years ago, I'm sure Starbucks can do it. Wait, properly. You, were a, <laughs> you were a coffee boy at 32 years old. <laughs> 32 years ago. <laughs> 86, you were 32. That's where we're going with this right. thing. Got it. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> Don't miss Jim Cramer's big interview with the CEO of Starbucks, Kevin Johnson, and Squawk on the Street. That's at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Still ahead, cloud stock Adobe lower in the after hours following its earnings report. That stock on a tear up more than 40% this year. We will tell you what has it coming back down to earth. Plus, casinos folding today as famed short seller Jim Chano says he is short a number of names, but one of the traders says he's dead wrong. Find out why when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Casinos taking a hit today as famed short seller Jim Chanos tells CNBC Sarah Eisen Macau growth and the trade war has him shorting a number of key players in the space. More recently, we've added some, some, some new and old names. Um, and one area I, I, I'm scratching my head about is the Macau casino guys again. So who are you, who are you shorting? Well, we're basically short the U.S. guys. You would Wynn. know the names. Uh, Wynn. Um, Las Vegas Sands. And Sands. Um, and, and particularly their, their Hong Kong listed Asian operations. Um, and then we're in our hedge fund, we're actually long the Chinese operators. These stocks have gotten crushed this year, all down 20% or more. So are there signs of a turnaround um, what do you make of Chanos's bet? It seems like a very levered, concentrated bet on China trade war, uh, China economy, right? As well as just the notion that they might lose concessions in this trade war. Yeah, and Jim does obviously extraordinarily thoughtful work, but he would also say if the stock, if win, for example, which is trading, I think, 115-ish, I haven't looked, but if it trades up to 150, he'd still be shorting the stock. So as a trading show, um, I think there's actually there's some room to continue to bounce the upside. He would probably agree with that as well. So here's stocks. I mean, wind has gotten eviscerated. It traded below 100. I think there's still a bounce up into the 120. So although he's probably right in his fundamental analysis, I think the real pain Damage trade is, is to the upside. Damage is done in both Las Vegas and in wind. Uh, if you look at MGM, MGM is the only one that I think might have a little bit of a rocky road. But it appears on a chart that all the bottoms near term are in and the risk is to the upside, especially with China trade. Yeah. Dan, where do you stand on this? Um, I don't think Jim looks at charts. Like, you know, I, I, no, I think that's that, that, my I, point. Jim, yeah, yeah. Jim yeah. has been, has been I, I have he's all the respect so, for the world, so but Jim always China, sees he's so good in China. He was wrong for years. No, he's good, man. No, yes, he was. He was right. He was wrong for years. You know, one of the things is like, you know, Mel's leader was that the famed short seller, he's had some very famous shorts. They're long short. I mean, they do a lot of things. He said in that clip to Sarah, we're long these guys and we're short these guys. So, you know, I'm just saying that I think they do do really good work, and uh, I suspect... He's been wrong a lot of times. It's very difficult for a short seller to be right 
because the shorts never outweigh the, the long. So you could be right on one off here and there. He's had a terrible call on China for years. This is his time to shine. I, I just this disagree is his with year this. I, I, that he's, that he's, I, I just disagree. Just I've, heard, I've heard him talk about it with people the way that, you know, like, look at how anyone runs a hedge fund. They're running long short. They're running a certain net exposure. Um, I, I, you know, we're all wrong a lot. And so I just think it's unfair because he goes on Iris Zone, says I'm shorting I'm this. And fact. that's the one thing just that the financial that you media, look at. right? Yeah. Just stating a fact. I'm just stating okay. the, the performance. That's it. Okay. Coming up. Check out shares of Adobe Volatile After Hours, the CEO sitting down with CNBC's Jim Cramer moments ago. We will bring you those comments. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Adobe. The cloud giant is volatile in the after hours sessions, now down a percent. Let's get to Josh Lipton in San Francisco for the details. Hey, Josh. Melissa, uh, Adobe CEO Shantanu Narayan on the call here talked about how Adobe is the company that can deliver the end-to-end solutions for marketing, analytics, commerce, built for the enterprise. Talked about some key customer wins in the quarter, including Unilever and Home Depot. Talked also about that new open data initiative. Remember that they just announced that uh, with Microsoft and SAP in September. Basically helps customers do more with their own data. Said they're getting early support there from Walmart, from Coca-Cola. Also talked about the acquisition of Marketo, which he says only widens his company's lead in customer experience management in all industries. Our own Jim Cramer just sat down with him. He asked Narayan about some of the company's key revenue drivers. Take a listen. I think we're absolutely in the sweet spot of two uh, massive shifts that are happening. Creativity has never been important. And when you think about creative cloud, to your point, we drove 1.45 billion of net new annualized recurring revenue in the year, a record for us. And when you think about what's happening with digital transformation in every single enterprise trying to engage with our customers, that grew dramatically. So for more much of that interview, check in tonight on Mad Money, where Jim Cramer uh, talked to Mr. Narayan in, in full about this report. I'm sure a lot more. Guys, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Dan's been bearish on the stock, so... Well, it, listen, on valuation, I, I think one of the things that I, I think really shown over the last month when you look at Workday and you look at Salesforce and now you look at this set of results um, by Adobe, um, he just said it right there. Every enterprise is doing this digital transformation. Let me tell you who else is doing it. Every government is doing it, too. So these guys are in a sweet spot. So when you look at Adobe and you look at the fact that they're growing earnings and sales 20 percent a year and they have all that recurring revenue and we know that they're signing up new Fortune 100 companies like every week, you say to yourself, OK, at 30 times, you know, how do you short this stock? So to me, I think this is one pocket, these SaaS names, that uh, are going to outperform the broad market. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Just to understand what you're saying. At 30 times, don't short no, it? What I'm saying, saying is it, it, it's hard to short because you have because pros all the good things at, they have at a short and reasonable price, and uh, they are at right. a secular shift that does not seem to be slowing down right now. You know, if you look back at the last three earnings cycles in Adobe, it usually trades down right after and then ratchets up. It's had a great year. So technically, it did have a pretty good run into these earnings cycles. So maybe you see something a little bit different action, but I would expect the stock to back up a little bit. If the overall market sort of hangs in there, you probably bet back on Adobe. It's up 40% year to date, so maybe that doesn't change. Steve's right. I mean, if you look over three quarters, yes, you go back a couple of years and it rallies into earnings, sells off a week and a half, two weeks later, it's making all-time highs, which has been the Adobe story. You know, and Josh is gone. I know he's in San Francisco. <laughs> yes, I could bite him. I, I, no, yeah. you know, I love Josh Lipton. I know you do. Great beard. 
No, that's the thing. Great it beard. looks Wait. like it needs to be groomed a bit. It's getting Are a little you? ratchet, in my opinion. Really? Why would I you just say this ba- basically TV? behind Josh's back? I would have said you it if he was there. He wasn't directly. there. He didn't now, have an now, opportunity. Now, now it sounds me. like you're just no. talking Josh trash knows I about love. Josh. Would, would you rather me lie? I mean, no, I think he's a handsome man. He should clean it up I a thought you were going to do a would you rather. Oh, would Josh you rather. beard or Josh no beard? Trade or fade? Double box it, guys. Clean it up. I don't know. Clean it up, Josh. Let's stick with the cloud here. Oracle reports earnings on Monday after the bell. Options market hinting at a big move. So, Dan... What you see in the action? Uh, yeah, so Oracle reports the December 17th after the close. The options market is implying about a $3 move in either direction, um, about 6%. And that is rich to the four-quarter average, about 5.25%. You know, one of the things that's interesting, we were just talking about Adobe. It had a, also a pretty high implied move. It's not doing a whole heck of a lot. Mel said it was volatile in the aftermarket. It was down a few bucks. Now it's up a few bucks. Um, it did get a bounce. And it bounced in sympathy with Workday up 13% on November 29th after they had good results in Salesforce on November 27th. was also up 10%. So these stocks got hit really hard when NVIDIA was down 19% that day. High valuation, high growth got nailed. They came back. So Adobe probably does underperform that. Next week, Oracle's a very different story. The stock is unchanged on the year. It's down 11% from its 52-week highs made in June. It's up about 11% from the 52-week lows made a few months ago. It's dead flat on the year. This is a company that's growing earnings and sales, low single digits. At best, the only growth they ever get is when they make these huge multi-billion dollar acquisitions. So to me, I'm not expecting a whole heck of a lot. There's the one-year chart. You can see it's been sideways. Look at the five-year real quickly. 45 to the downside looks like important um, support here. So this is not really a market where you're not growing and you want to miss and guide lower because you will get punished. I think it's a one-up, two-down scenario for these guys next week. All right, for more options action, check out the full show. That's tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Time for the Final Trade, Grasso. You know what? It's outperformed everything. XLU Utilities has, and I think it's going to continue to outperform. It's up with an up market. It's up with a down market. XLU Utilities ETF. Chairwoman. Yes, I'm going to get a lot of, you know, Twitter, Dan, Iyer, and whatnot from the rest of them. J.P. Morgan, I like it right here. If I'm long it going in, I'm same as buying it right here. I think it's attractive. You know, Karen, there's no Iyer here. I, if I were to buy a bank, I'd buy J.P. Morgan all day long and on Sunday. I mean, that's the one to own. And but I you would, would never do that. No, you, I, would, I, you know what? <laughs> I think if J.P. Morgan at 95 bucks, I don't know. Listen, I think Costco guy was right on that one. I think he's selling. Wow. Now, Guy. Now, I like, you know I love Josh. But Josh is watching. You could have just watching. emailed Josh and told him about yeah, the beard awkward. instead of broadcasting it to the nation. the United States. Anyway, final trade. Bristol Myers. I knew what it was, Mel. You looked at me like I didn't know. Bristol Myers. going to get All some right. upgrades now. Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5. Jim Craver starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.